Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano, joined by my co-host, The Zoobs. What's going on, bud? We have to remember to stay level-headed in this one. I see a lot of panicking out there in Leafs Nation, and I think we're going to have to guide some people this episode in, in, in staying level-headed with what we just watched. You're telling me that people from Toronto are not <laughs> being level-headed after a loss? What? This was a tough one. This was a tough loss. It really was. Yeah, uh, so the Leafs falling 3-1 to the Colorado Avalanche. Nazem Kadri's first game back uh, in Toronto, too, and, and they had a nice little tribute video that I thought was great. Um, thought that he had a pretty good game himself. Uh, but, you know what, I thought that the Leafs actually played pretty well. I mean, they, they lost the game, which you hate to see, but all things considered, you know, on night two of a back-to-back against a pretty good team, like Colorado's no slouch. They are a top team in the league, and they might just be better than Toronto. It's very conceivable. It's not that they played bad, just Colorado played better because they might be better. It's very much could be the case. But all things considered, I thought that the Leafs actually had – a pretty well-rounded game from from mostly everybody tonight. Yeah, I, I, so I'm sort of I'm I'm sort of trying to balance the ways I feel because obviously the Spezza mistake was backbreaking, but also you know earlier in the year we said things like this where we thought you know if they play like this more often than not they're going to get points and it came down to one big miscue that cost them. And, yep. They, you know, the, the back half of the game, they played really well. We've been saying that for a lot of this year. and oh, I said that yesterday. Like, every time right. we lose, you look back, and it's usually you can pinpoint specific plays where the Leafs uh, have a bad turnover and the puck's going the other way, and then they end up scoring, and it just, you know, almost every single loss, you can point to a specific play and be like, well, that's why they lost. And this one where Jason Spezza and Morgan Riley kind of get caught up at the point and Nachushkin takes a simple breakaway and, and scores shorthanded, that's 2-1, that's a game winner. Like, it's it's pattern. It's These are patterns that we're seeing with the Leafs right now. Yeah, and, and caught up at the point, you know, he didn't have a stick. Like, he doesn't, like, there's no, there's no reason. Uh, yeah. Just a brain fart. A, a tough one for Spezza. I, I feel bad for him, but well, ugh, yeah, like the, such the, a such an unbelievable co- combination of events for his stick to explode on the power play and then to just stand like just it, it's up there with the Kapanen stick throw for just like you're just sort of blown away that you even saw it happen in terms of how bad of a break it was. Well, at least the Kapanen stick throw that takes like some some you know efforts like I'm gonna purposely throw the stick because he wanted to try and do something. Spezza kind of just a, a, a brain fart. He ended up skating into Riley and kind of set a picket, and Riley just wasn't able to get the puck back after all that happened. And it was kind of just, a, like you said, a brain fart, just a blunder. Uh, but it was a super, super costly one. It legitimately cost them the game. And yeah. for that, I think Jason Spezza is going to show up a little bit later when we do our good, bad, and ugly. Uh, but... I thought that for the most part, though, m- most most of the players, I thought, had a pretty good response considering how they, they left yesterday. Let, let's not forget that Freddie Anderson, we actually haven't mentioned this yet either, actually ended up playing the second night of a back-to-back, which was 
uh, you know, two straight nights, which is something that we kind of brought up on yesterday's pod saying, could it be possible that they could do it because there's been some chatter and they actually did do it? So first of all, I just want to get your thoughts on on Freddie's game, knowing that he was playing his second game in as many nights. I thought Freddie was outstanding. I thought if you're going to do something like ask the coach to be in net both nights, you are asking for focus on yourself. And, and the way he responded was, what a gem. Absolutely outstanding. What a gem. Like, yeah, absolutely. After last night, it, it really wasn't even his fault, realistically. Like, the team no. gave up on him. But he went into the office and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm playing tomorrow. I, I want to play. That's something that I don't think he would have been able to do under Mike Babcock. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, that's something he would be like, uh, nope, we have our schedule. You play tonight. We're going to have Hutch in tomorrow. It is what it is. No conversation. At least Keith, he's, he legitimately, he came out pregame, and he's like, you know, who are we to stand in front of him? If he wants to go out there and fight with his guys, he's going to go out there and do it. And and he did, and he went out there and backed up his play. It was fantastic. You know, that, that one play aside, I think, uh, you know, and the goal that did beat him, you know, uh, Nathan McKinnon's goal to kind of open up the scoring there on the power play, there wasn't much he could do on that. That was just a great look from McKinnon and just a great rip that went bar down. You know, there's not much Anderson could have done to to stop that, really. And then just, you know, again, the blunder, which I'm sure will get brought up a couple of times. And then that was it. Other than that, Anderson was, was near perfect. Absolutely. And... and... You know, something we chatted about previously before the show, I really think we talked, we looked at guys like Barry, we talked about guys offensively and defensively up and down this lineup that have had a, a rebirth under Sheldon Keefe and have looked like new players under Sheldon Keefe or looked like at certain points in the season they needed to change. Freddie Anderson is one guy that this whole time has been playing very well yes. and is not someone that was in need of a turnaround. He's somebody that has been bringing it every night this whole time, and it isn't like, oh, Freddie's suddenly playing well. Like He's been playing well all year long, and you could tell in front of them, in front of him, they were really trying to get this one for him and just couldn't do it against a very good, as you said, Colorado team. Totally, and you know, there's a word for that, and it's consistency, and it's something that we've seen or that we haven't seen a lot of out of the Maple Leafs. But when you look at, you know, at net, you, we actually have seen it. Anderson has had them, has given them a chance to win a lot of games. There's been a lot of winnable games where they're only losing by a goal or two. And that's because Anderson's usually standing on his head, uh, stopping everything that comes his way. And, uh, yeah, no, he, he was playing well under Babcock, and he's playing just as well as he is under Sheldon Keefe. That's, that's a good point that you bring up there. Anyway, justice for Freddie. Bezna, we need Bezna votes this year. I mean, there, there's talk out there that he could potentially be an MVP candidate. Would you <laughs> subscribe to that, or you think that might be a bit of a stretch? Because, I mean, based gonna, on your conversation, or based on your uh, your opinion here that you just said a moment ago, I think you might be advocating Anderson for MVP. You you have to, there has to be an accomplishment that follows. That You have to... You have to have gotten them somewhere with all this play. Uh, listen, if, if he vaults himself into the MVP conversation, sure, I think there's a lot of guys who have done a lot of things. Like David Posternak is going to score a goal every game this year. I think there's a long way to go before we know anybody on this team is worthy of MVP conversation. Fair enough. Uh, we saw a lot, of, a lot of new things today. Marner, he returned. He looked pretty good. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I thought he looked, I did, did look pretty good. I thought, um, you know... He was he was skating fine and he tried to be a little creative. There's a little bit of rust with 
missed connections, but I, I liked his game uh, in a general sense. Um, I feel like we're about to disagree on the block shot at the end of the game. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I assume you saw my tweet then. <laughs> I did. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. You know, he just got back. You're down three one. There's 30 seconds left in the game. You're not coming back. As much as you think you are, you're just not. Um, Grubauer was outstanding. I doubt he was about to give up, too, in the next 30 seconds. Uh, so the fact that you're just getting back from a high ankle sprain, it's your first game in, and you're taking a slap shot off of your ankle trying to play goaltender uh, in front of an empty net down by two. I just, it's, it's, if it was the playoffs, sure, I get it. But at this point in the year, it's not something that I would want Marner risking because we just lost him for 10 games for an injured ankle. Don't want to be taking pucks or putting himself into position to be taking more pucks off that ankle and uh, potentially miss him for even more. I, I think he may have saved that team from getting booed off the ice tonight. How about that? I, I don't you know what I don't think so because I, I thought that after that goal they responded really well after uh the, the go ahead goal by Nichushkin. I thought that last ten minutes was all Toronto. They were really pouring it on Colorado. And you know, hats off to Philip Grubauer because he made some outstanding stops tonight. I thought that he was Colorado's best player out on the ice. Toronto really they they had a lot of really good scoring chances. Um and you know, Grubauer was able to, to turn aside everything. They just couldn't score on him. But I thought that the Leafs, um, I don't know. I, I felt like this is this was one that they could have won. It could have gone either way, uh, really. But the fact that they lost, at least a little bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Now we sit here, Sheldon Keefe, under the Keefe record, or under Sheldon Keefe, the Leafs record now sits at 4-3, and three, which isn't as good as the 4-1 and one record that, that we had a couple of days ago. A lot more fun when he was four and one. <laughs> yeah, a lot more fun. A lot more fun. Uh, something else that we saw that was new today was the D pairings uh, before the game. Nobody really knew that we were going to actually get a little bit of a, a shakeup on the back end, and then all of a sudden you're looking at the line rushes from everybody at the game tweeting it out, and you see, you know, Morgan Riley with Tyson Berry, and then Justin Hall with with um, Jake Muzzin, and then finally Cody Cece moved to where he should be on the third pairing alongside Travis Dermott. What were your thoughts on the new look D pairings? I like the idea of trying it. I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, Cody Cece finally unchained from <laughs> uh, the, the ankle of Morgan Riley. Uh, you know, in his minutes, the, the most important thing to me was his minutes reflected that. He was down to 17 and a half minutes in this game, which is welcome. I I didn't think Riley Berry was great. I, I I think maybe because expectations for that pairing is high, and I expect them to make more of a maybe more of an impact on offense. I didn't see a ton from them that was all that impressive, but I would be very happy to tune into the next game and see that still be the top pair. They did play a ton, but uh, I, I think maybe I expected a little bit more, and maybe that's the heater that Barry had been on had led me to believe that. Yeah, I hope this isn't a one and done type uh, type of move from Sheldon Keefe. Hope he gives it a bit of a run, a couple of games. Hopefully, they they build their chemistry a little bit, and we can kind of see what we're looking for. Because we've actually clamored for this exact lineup for for weeks now, yeah. weeks, and we finally got it. And yeah, I think I would agree with you. Um, I, I thought that there was going to be a lot more spark out of the the Riley Berry pairing. Um, they had a lot. Uh, of offensive zone starts too, and they played. They started a lot with Tavares, or sorry, with um, the Austin Matthews line. 
which I was listening to Keith, uh, his presser after the game, and that was uh, that was by design. Obviously, they have the the last change; they can go out there and send whoever they want out. And by design, they they had you know Austin taking offensive draws with Riley and Barry to try and create as much offense as they could. Uh, but you know, it just for some reason didn't happen, uh, which is surprising because the the few minutes that they did share together over the um, over the past you know few weeks or, or throughout the season, they have looked really good and they look dominant in the offensive end. So getting a full mm-hmm. game. Maybe it's not as dominant as we thought, but at the same time, again, they're facing a really, really good team. So uh, I, I'll get into that a little bit more in the uh, in the good, bad, and ugly. But I, just the fact that Keith was willing to, after after a bad loss like that, kind of go through the line blender and change some things up, I think is a really refreshing thing. And I know we we're, we consistently keep looking back on stuff that Babcock did that keeps now doing like the opposite, but it truly is just refreshing after a couple of years of seeing the same stagnant lineups game after game after game, regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's move on. Oh no, actually one last little piece of news here from this game. Uh, Andres Janssen left with a leg injury, only ended up playing 12 minutes left in the second period uh, and did not return. Not too sure the severity of it. Obviously, we'll keep you posted on that, but that was also something that came from this game tonight uh, against the Colorado Avalanche. All right, coming up next, we'll chat the good, the bad, and the ugly, and then after that, we're going to kind of take it around the Atlantic Division a little bit and kind of see what's going on uh, around the division foes of the Maple Leafs. Uh, But right now, let's head to commercial and come back. We'll get the good, the bad, the ugly. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. Uh, there wasn't much ugly. There was a little bit of bad, but there was a lot of good in this game, I thought. But who deserved your good tonight? Oh, I think we can think of an ugly. Oh, what are you, well, what are you kidding no, me? No, no, no. There was a <laughs> ugly, a ugly, in my opinion. A, a few bad things, but more good things. I didn't say there was no ugly. There was certainly <laughs> something that was really ugly in this game, which we've already talked about a lot. But I want to start with the good, the positives. It's got to be Freddie Anderson. Um, love, love the spirit of, ask, of of demanding the net the second night. And you know, as I said before, when you put yourself in that situation, and you, you know, the coach tells the media before the game that he asked for the net, and and the players all know he asked for the net. Uh, the spotlight c- turns to you. That becomes a storyline for the game. No matter how this game went, we were going to talk about the fact that Freddie put himself in a situation, and, and, and he couldn't have been much better. Uh, Nathan McKinnon is an, inev- an inevitability. He's going to score. He, he's amazing. Nothing you can do there. And the other one was just the leafiest thing in the world. So um, I thought he was excellent, and, and for big periods of this game was best player on the ice for the team a little bit. Whenever they were in trouble, they gave up some some pretty decent chances, and he was there. Uh, and I thought it fired up the guys. I thought the guys played well in front of him, you know, to, to battle for the fact that he said he wanted to battle with them tonight. And I, I think that really reflected well in, in, in how they played in front of him as well. So I think Freddie Anderson, for sure, did good for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think Freddie Anderson definitely uh, was, was one of the best well, probably the best player out there for the Leafs out on the ice, as it is 
on most nights, like we said. Uh, but I'm going to give it to somebody else for this one. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm gonna say uh, Mitch Marner. I thought that his first game back, he played really well. He was buzzing around the ice, had a lot of good opportunities, a lot of good looks. It seemed like uh, he kind of had the puck on a string at times. And I really liked, for about five minutes throughout this game, um, yeah, they have five minutes together, really liked the lineup of Marner, Matthews, and Nylander. They had one shift out there where they looked super, super dangerous. And it, it just seemed like they could do whatever they wanted. They had three or four great shot opportunities. Matthews getting himself into position to 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 fire away a couple of shots. But Marner, I thought throughout the entire game, uh, he he was dangerous pretty much the whole time he was out on the ice. Uh, you take a look at you know the Corsi for and against you know out chancing twenty four to fourteen. So uh, a team I believe it was team high uh, just under Mikheyev, but sixty three point sixteen Corsi percentage. Um, you know he he. he Really good game, and then, you know, he was out there also blocking a shot, which I don't condone. But he went out there and blocked that shot in the last uh, the last few seconds, just to kind of show that he's a warrior. He's back, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. And you gotta love that. Yeah. Uh, all right. What was bad for you? Uh, this this is a tough one. Like as you said, I I don't think there was a lot of bad out there. I think. They seem a little snake bit right now. They seem a little, I, I think, just the inability to, to break through these last couple of games. I know that it's not supposed to be easy. The NHL is not an easy league to win in. And, and maybe those first couple games when we got really, really excited about Sheldon Keefe, we got a little carried away. Um, you know, they just seemed to be squeezing the sticks a little tight tonight and just couldn't uh, break through when they really needed it. So I think just the bad was sort of that 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 one gear that was missing, and maybe that's rust from Marner, or maybe it's a number of factors, but uh, just, that, just that finishing gear to push it over the end line was, was missing in this one for me. Uh, that's a pretty good one, actually. It's a little more of, a, of an abstract thought, but it's when you think about it, it, they did look like they were kind of missing something out there. You're not quite sure what it was, but something was missing, and, and that may have been the, the difference between the, the win and the loss. Um, so I actually really liked that. That was a good one. Uh, but for me, I, I thought just just because I had such high expectations for the Riley Berry pairing, and I, I just I didn't love it. Um, I didn't think that they were horrible. They weren't good. They weren't bad. They were kind of in between. But I, I just I want to talk about it a little bit. So I put them here in my sort of bad category. But they have fifty six percent offensive zone starts, just seven D zone faceoffs. And uh, they were outshot 23 to 27 uh, shot attempts, uh, went out on the ice. So I thought that that they were just just didn't live up to my expectations. Um, and then obviously Riley, I guess it wasn't his fault that second goal, but you know on the ice for the game winner, um, I guess it was technically as part of the power play, not as the line, but. Yeah, I just didn't think that it was the best game out of uh, out of those two, and, and Morgan Riley a little bit even more than than Tyson Berry. Uh, yeah. I I think we can all agree on the ugliest part of this game. Why don't you go ahead and and uh, take it away? Poor Jason Spezza. I yep. mean, I know what he's trying to do, right? We know what he's trying to do. They're pressing hard. He tries to take a slap shot. His stick explodes, and as he's skating back to the bench a loose puck comes back to the point. And all he's thinking is, if I can just get my skate on this and keep it at the line, 
then we can have the puck, I can get my stick, and we can keep this power play going. What he ends up doing is stretching his leg out and stepping in the way of Morgan Riley, who has the whole thing under control. Yep. And then he just sort of stands there with his arms out. <laughs> Riley is like, well, I've never seen this before. Uh, <laughs> tries to stick handle around him. That doesn't work. And you could tell before this puck was past center ice that it was going to be two on abs. Like, there was no question that was yeah. a goal. It, on no planet is that anything but a 2-1 goal. You... Uh, up, it's up there with the, with the captain and the stick throw for me for just, like, just, like, just curse. That's just being a Leafs fan. That play is being a Leafs fan <laughs> incarnate. Honestly, like, Spets has had a long career and a great career, but I think you'd be hard-pressed to go out there. Even if you looked at every single shift he's had throughout his career, that may have been the dumbest thing that he's ever done out on an NHL ice surface. Yeah, you're probably right. But, uh, well, you know, say la vie. It, Turn the page. It is what it is, which apparently was a trigger point uh, for uh, a lot of media today. I don't know if you saw that. But I think so who's, I think Keith said it is what it is, and, and somebody had kind of got triggered by that saying. I don't know if that <laughs> saying triggers you, but I saw somebody going off on it on Twitter, but... You know, it is what it is. It is um, what it is. All right, that's the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, Leafs now on a two-game losing streak after losing bat both of these games. And now, oh, man, the playoffs, they look so much further, so much further oh, yeah. after these losses. And uh, we're going to take a look at the Atlantic Division and kind of see how much farther away the playoffs are uh, in just a moment. All right, welcome back to Lockdown Leafs Podcast. Mike DiStefano alongside the Zoobs. Uh, Maple Leafs, another loss tonight to the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, 3-1 was the final, and that just puts them even further in the hole when trying to dig out of the the hole that they put themselves in, trying to get themselves back into the playoffs. Uh, How much worse do you feel now about the Leafs making the playoffs than you did maybe a week ago? Oh, demonstrably <laughs> well i mean also i mean not that much I, I guess i should walk that back again there even with the results there's still only one point back of second in the division um you know they're going to be fighting with these teams the sabers the canadians the panthers uh they're going to be fighting with those teams all year long but i believe that they're better than those teams i truly truly do the team that worries me is florida um, I think Boston's pretty much got it. They got it set. Uh, they're nine zero and one in their last ten on an eight game winning streak. Uh, Boston's Boston. I don't think anybody's going to catch up to them in this division. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I would have said Tampa's obviously going to be a, have a chance to to uh, rival them for the top spot. But at this point, I don't even think Tampa, who's currently ooh, what are they, sixteen points back of, of the the Bruins? Wow, that's crazy. Sixteen points. They got three games at hand, but still. Um, but other than that, yeah, Boston's running away with, with the first. They're going to win the division. That's I put money on that. Florida, oh, yeah. I can see them finishing second. I know that the Leafs are only two games behind Florida, but Florida also has three games in hand, and it seems like they've kind of they're figuring it out a little bit. I think the goaltending is, still needs to, to figure themselves out. I, I'm not exactly sure what is going on uh, with – their goalie, uh, why Bobrovsky, 
but he just hasn't been the Bobrovsky that we've known over the last few years with Columbus, the Vesna caliber goaltender. There's still a minus one in goal differential, which for a team that uh, that that's out there and scoring a heck of a lot of goals, like they've got 90, 96 goals, which I believe is good for second in the division. Yeah, 96 goals, yeah. good for second in the, actually in the whole, yeah, in the division, and uh, third in the conference, yet there's still a negative goal differential. So I can only assume, only assume based on track record that Bobrovsky eventually is going to figure it out. And when that does happen, look out because Florida is a great team from top to bottom. And that's the one team that I think I'd be scared of if I'm Toronto, if they do end up in the Atlantic and they do win uh, an Atlantic divisional spot, they're going to have to play Florida in the first round. And that might be a little scary. I might want to try and go over and get the crossover maybe in, in, in the Metro. But then again, Washington, they've, yeah, they're 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 a pretty good team too. It's gonna be tough no matter what. There's just so much parity and and so many good hockey teams. Uh, but Buffalo has kind of picked it up as of late. I think over the last few games we saw them over the weekend. Uh, you think Buffalo has a chance at at uh, at putting together a solid second half or I guess solid three quarters of a season and uh, working their way into the playoff push. I think Buffalo might be more alike, like they might be more similar to the Leafs than we initially thought at first glance. I think that's something that I'm sort of coming to terms with, that, that they might be pretty similar teams, that they might be around the same level of skill, and that Buffalo might have a chip on the shoulder that the Maple Leafs are, 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 don't have. Um, I think it is going to be a fight. I think that this, I think Buffalo is one of the key teams that they're going to have to be better than the rest of the way. I don't believe that the Canadiens are going to be a real contender, but as you know as well as I do, Tampa Bay is still lurking, and uh, you said a great piece about Florida, so that you're running out of spots, right? And so I think it's going to come down to beating Buffalo. I, I, I think the Leafs are a little bit better, but the margins are pretty thin at this point. It's not like it used to be where um, you know talent definitely wins out like, like it did last year, and, and I don't think the talent discrepancy is so great that it's going to be a walk either way. So, yeah, I absolutely do think Buffalo could put together a good run of play. They did it last year for a long run, and they had a good run at the beginning of this year. They're capable of it. It's just whether they can snip those losing streaks in the bud before they get out of control that will really seal their fate. And I, I think they might be good enough to do it. They might be. I, I agree. I think I, I like Buffalo. Just, you know, their depth is is a bit of a problem. Uh, we kind of saw that come to light also. It was kind of the Jack Eichel show, and that's about it. But if a team can – or Jack Eichel kind of goes numb for a couple of games and, and kind of falls off and doesn't score, there's not much else over there to, to take over. Um, Jeff Skinner isn't having the 40-goal the season that he had a year ago either. So yeah, I'm not too sure why he's playing on the third line also, but maybe that could be a reason for it. Uh, but Buffalo is going to be an interesting team to watch there. Darlene out for a little bit with a concussion as well. Uh, so we'll see if they can try and come back from that. A team that's really interesting, and I think kind of the the, the final team that we haven't talked Well, we didn't really talk about Tampa. We'll, we'll do that in a second. But Montreal, just kind of looking around here, they were on an eight-game losing streak, and they finally broke that last night. But despite losing eight in a row, they're still tied with the Maple Leafs with two games in hand. That's a little concerning. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> That's a little concerning. But I, I just, 
for some reason, I I don't see Montreal as a playoff team anymore. No, me either. I, I the team's not good. They're not good. No, they they they're just not a good team. And I don't think it's that like it's not that complicated. They they don't have great like really really top end guys, and and then their mid level skill. I don't think I think they it can get them on runs, and and it can get them ice cold. I think they don't have somebody that you look to every night to know is, is going to lead the way and 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 be a difference maker, and and I think that's what is going to keep them a tier below these teams in the in the conference that do and the teams in the, in the division that definitely do. There's a lot of talk out there that they may be interested in Taylor Hall. If you're Montreal, do you bother going and fishing into those waters, or do you think you maybe take a step back and don't give up the the young assets and draft picks that it would take to get a, a talent like that? I think I I think I'd go for it. I'm I'm a, I'm a fan of swinging for it in in any situation. Um, I Is know that it's a little a bit of capital, though? but I don't know what they have. You know, the, the top top end guy that I would be so 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 worried about giving up, and and I don't know that the price for Hall would even be. Like obviously they'll be pricey, but you know I I think I w- I would look into it if I were them. I think any any team that has the chance to add Taylor Hall and and could be a playoff team could should be looking to do that. We saw that with with St. Louis last year. If they you know at halfway through the season we weren't sure how good they were. You just have to get in, and when you're in, having players like Taylor Hall gives you a huge shot at winning series and winning games. So anybody that could be in. Should be making calls on Taylor Hall, I think. Yeah, but when you look at St. Louis, like they had Tarasenko, they had Ryan O'Reilly, they had Braden Shen, Petrangelo, Pareko. Like they had a lot of really, really high end players. I look at Montreal, I don't see a lot of that. I mean, Jonathan Druin might be their best offensive player, or maybe maybe uh, Thomas Tatar or Max Domi, but none of them are like top line elite players. And obviously, adding Taylor Hall gives them a top line elite player, but does that push them over the top that brings them into the playoffs? I'm just not sure. And if they if that is not going to give you a chance to make the playoffs, like if you're not just one piece away, I think they're multiple pieces away, which is why I wouldn't consider giving up uh, a, some really good assets to go out and get a guy that might bring you into a wild card spot, but more likely, I think, just takes you, gives you an extra couple of wings, but at the end of the day, they're still going to end up on the outside looking in, but now you're going to be without your first round pick and a really good prospect on top of that. That's just my thought on that situation, but I do sure. know, you know, that's apparently that's that's the word that Montreal is interested in Taylor Hall. I just I don't know if I'd do it if if I were them. Uh, Tampa, real quick, seems like they are they're not quite back to where we thought they were going to be. They're still hovering just like Toronto. Um, on the outside looking in, although only 25 games played, which is the least in the entire league. Uh, they have five games in hand on Toronto, and they're only down by one point. Uh, are you starting to get worried about the Tampa Bay Lightning? Not worried because you care, but I mean, like, is are they maybe not as good as we initially thought? I think the amount of games they have in hand is going to work in their favor greatly. They are undoubtedly struggling now. But as we saw with a team like the New York Islanders, we saw the Sabres do this. Teams can get hot and, and go on extended streaks. Tampa has proven this, and they're going to have a bulk of games coming up. And if they get hot, they're suddenly going to be red hot in a time when they're playing a lot of games. So I think I think they have a chance to go on a nice big run and, and to make up those games 
with a lot of wins. You know, I, I can't confess to have watched them all that intently this season, but, I, you know, you follow the results and you follow uh, individual players. But um, I, I still think they're going to figure it out. I, I, just think, I just think they're a really good team still. Uh, I believe they're going to figure it out, but they, the, the, the Martins are thin in this league, and it's a talented division. They could not. But uh, I think the games in hand is going to work in their favor big time. And when they get hot, they'll have a lot of points to pick up in a short time. Where do you think that they'll end up? Uh, I can see them second still. I, I can see them second. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think I can see them second as well. You know, they're still just, they're two points back, but they got two games in Boston. hand on Florida. So, But, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's catching Boston, like I already said. Uh, but Ottawa and Detroit, uh, there's really not much to talk about other than the fact that Detroit is god-awful. I'm taking a look right now. They have a negative 56 goal differential, only 30 games in. Incredible. Like Incredible. Who's next? Uh, Jersey at minus 32. So that's that's quite a ways. That's like almost double. Wow. Detroit is... is uh, some sort of bad, and they're they've winless in their last ten. Jeez, <laughs> they are really really struggling out there. Mantha injured. Ugh, I feel bad if bad. I was a Wings fan. Um, they're 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 done. They're Lafreniere territory, along with probably I would say Ottawa, right? Who've also lost five straight. All right, uh, yeah. So I think you know the Atlantic Division. Not much has changed, actually, from about a month ago. I think pretty much this is, <laughs> well, when you look at the standings, it's pretty well where it's all at. We got Boston just leading the way up top, and then a big muck here between two to six, between Florida, Buffalo, Montreal, Toronto, and Tampa. You got uh, All of them have a chance at making the playoffs, and, uh, you know, the next the next few months, is it's really going to be a, a big-time race between these one, two, three, four, five teams for Two divisional spots, and then potentially, if they can try and lock up uh, a wild card spot, obviously they're going to have uh, some some big time um, competition over on the Metro as well. Uh, you know, currently Carolina and Pittsburgh sitting with both wild card spots uh, with thirty three and thirty two points. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it for us today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to Lockdown Leafs Podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Zoobs at the underscore Zoobs. All right, be sure to check back in here tomorrow. I have uh, Scott Wheeler from The Athletic actually going to stop in, and uh, I have a, I'm going to have an interview with him, talk about the Leafs, get his thoughts on on the matter. Also probably talk a little bit about the Marlies since he covers them on a regular basis. And then Zoobs, you'll chat and hop back on, and we're going to preview uh, this weekend's matchup against the St. Louis Blues. Uh, I can't wait. That's, that's, it's going to be a good game. That's another good test. They're, they're being tested here, and... And it, it, it's it's a good thing. It's a good thing. I agree. And, you know, they're going back out onto the road. So this is their last home game until the 17th. So back out onto the road they go. A quick stop at home. And now back out for another four games before we got Buffalo at home on the 17th. All right. Be sure to check back in here tomorrow again for another new episode of the Locked on Leafs. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leafs.